please help us help others that are in need and help subscribe rate and review our show on apple Podcasts, spotify and any other platform you can I am an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am your alcoholic host. I am Raymond, and today I am joined with Skeletor. Mahahaha. Oh, you just brought back so many childhood memories already. <laughs> your favorite villain that you love to hate. Yes, yes. I actually had the action figures. I even had the skunk one that smelled. Oh, that's badass. Yeah, yeah. I had the castle and all that. Now I'm really showing my age. I really wanted the castle, but I got the She-Ra Princess of Power castle, which I was pretty upset about, actually. Um, but I got I got a castle nonetheless, so I guess I should have been grateful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, what brings you to... Uh... The Many Paths to Sobriety podcast today. Well, um, the journey really like started out as far as coming to AA uh, was a court ordered deal. Um, I was going through a pretty nasty divorce and there was a lot of accusations and such and restraining orders and such, uh, dueling restraining orders. Uh, it was a really wild time. So since I was accused of being an alcoholic and a drug addict, I was, uh, deemed to be such and had to go to these classes and also to AA. Oh, so, so you are, do you admit to being an alcoholic? Oh, absolutely. I didn't say like we're in a meeting. My bad. I'm Skeletor. <laughs> I'm an addict and an alcoholic for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't try to assume and um, I don't, I, and, and, and the more I do this and I hear different verbiage and stuff like that, I, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, I'm a person in recovery, I'm an Oompa Loompa, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. So I am Jack's raging bile duct. Right Not on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I am definitely an alcoholic. In coming in the program, uh, it was really difficult to get in the door. Um, uh, you hear in meetings sometimes about like a doorknob being your higher power and at first, that was true. I I couldn't have turned that doorknob <laughs> at first. Like I sat in the parking lot of the first few meetings because I was too, 
like nervous to go in because I really knew that I had a problem. I really knew that I should be there, but I'm like, I'm a drunk. I'm not going to get better from this. Like this is a fucking Jesus cult and I don't want to go in there. Um, but I had to. And when I did and I heard people's stories, I heard myself in every single one of them, you know, and it wasn't exactly the same as my story. And I still, you know, thought like, yeah, this is cute. People, you know, getting together and talking about it. But this isn't really going to do anything for me. I just have to do it. And that's how I treated it in the beginning. So, you know, I would go and I would usually be sober for meetings, but then right after I'd be drinking or doing drugs or, you know, whatever the fuck, whatever I needed to get through my day. Um, cause like I said, I was going through a divorce. It was nasty. Uh, I've had two kids in the middle of that and, um, and it was crazy. And, you know, going through my ups and downs, like in my career also at the same time, you know, my life was in total fucking turmoil. It wasn't really acknowledging that just blindly, stubbornly going forward. And you found Jesus and you were cured and everything is good. And now you've been sober for four years into the story. Like great As, episode at Skeletor, everyone. Yeah. And this is, I know this is going to be everybody's favorite episode. Yes. I, I walked in the door and a, and a halo shined upon my head and, and all was well. Yeah. Um, well, I just threw that in there because you went straight to the, the, the Jesus cult. So I, I I'm assuming your first, <laughs> yes. your first, uh, your first go round with recovery wasn't successful or. Well, it wasn't that it wasn't successful. It was that I, ne- I didn't think that it would have any impact on my life because I never thought that I would stop doing drugs or drinking ever. I thought that that was how you coped in life. That was what you did. And, and the Jesus cult thing was my assumption going in. So I picked a gay meeting to start because I figured I would hear less about Jesus and be in a room with some open-minded people that had maybe, you know, gone through some things, maybe similar to me and to understand what it felt like to be like, someone who was not on the the jesus train if you will okay um, okay so as again I'm, I'm sorry I'm that's okay interrupting so I, I i'm just trying to get a better understanding so when i have other questions i know what i'm kind of talking about usually i don't know what i'm talking about that's the normal case <laughs> um so your first meeting was uh you, you said a gay meeting. So it, it, is it, was it based around traditional or was it based around another type of uh, AA-based program? It is a traditional meeting, but the members are gay. That's what I mean by gay meeting. So all of the members were in the LGBT plus QIA, however many acronyms they are now, that community was, were those members. So I felt like I would be a little more at home there because I identify as a bisexual person. So 
like, and again, with the, I, I felt like there wouldn't be as much like religious fervor. And there, there really wasn't, there was surprisingly more than I thought there would be, but, but we did uh, say the serenity prayer. It was a, a traditional meeting and there were some, at least one very vocal agnostic member of the group who I identified very closely with because he said lots of fuck words and he sounded real angry and like, I wasn't going to listen to that bullshit. I didn't hear that in step four. You know, I can't give anything concrete right now because my mind is like, but, um, but he was hilarious to me. And when he said, I didn't hear fucking blah, blah, blah. in that step, I was like, yeah, I didn't hear that either. Fuck yeah this guy's cool. Like I need to talk to this guy. Um, and I did, I made a connection with him fairly quickly. And he, he was really important to the beginning of my recovery. And at that time, my experience with AA was me, you know, being, you know, there because of, of court ordered action, which, you know, lasted a, a couple of months. So I was there, I was out, I was back in, I was out. Um, so when I really made a commitment to the program and thought, hey, I know that this is going to work for me if I really try it, um, was after a pretty wild uh, binge drinking episode that landed me in jail. And um, when I got out of jail and came back home, and thankfully I had a home to come back to, even though that didn't last very long. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, wow, I know there's a meeting tomorrow and I can go back to this meeting that I've been in and out of for, you know, I guess a year at that point. Um, and these people will, will welcome me with open arms because I'd heard it many, many times in the meeting about, you know, relapse stories. And I don't know if that's really a, like a relapse story for me because I was not trying to get sober. I did, I did not think that that was in the realm of possibility, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, jail worked for me. That's not everybody's bottom, but that, uh, just that and all the circumstances around that kind of is what made me decide to really actually do the program um and realize that I could do it you know not my own way but that that it was acceptable that everybody kind of had their different like take on what they do to learn how to be a sober like functioning human Ooh, you rang my favorite bell right there Everyone has their own take of becoming a sober, functional human. Yeah. I, I, I love the phrasing of that so much. But you did start off in a traditional sense, and you didn't melt, and you're still here. Yeah, true. I didn't melt. And I and um, it was really super triggering for me uh, because of the type of um, religious indoctrination that I had as a child, I was, I was very much, um, afraid 
of the of the religious community and organized religion because I, I realized from an early age that it was a, a really toxic environment and not you know not aligned with how I felt about the world and about people um, so like a finger pointing so my religious doctrination was uh, Southern Baptist people and Pentecostal people um, and if you've ever had an experience in either one of those kinds of churches, um, it's really intense and uh, very much uh, like, uh, I can't think of the word that I, that I want to find, but like, you know, very much centers around making you uh, be ashamed of who you are if you're not, you know, with Jesus and all his homies. Um, so, <laughs> so no, I, I, I knew that like, if I had to go to God to get sober, that it would, that, that would never happen for me. So to find agnostic AA was a, was a real game changer, but like with the traditional, like uh, there's a, there's a lot of good takeaways that you can get from a traditional meeting where they're down with, with the J, um, but you have to be willing to, you know, be open-minded and look <laughs> and, and like take their, you know, fervor for their religion with a grain of salt because they might have something really valuable to, to add to the experience. Um, but I did, I did have an experience where I chaired a meeting that was, um, that at least half of the members, and it was a pretty large meeting, um, their answers were, you know, you got to give it to, to your God. You got to, you got to pray more. You got to dive deeper, you know, and um, it, it was like discouraging for me, but also like a good moment to say as the chair, like, even though that worked for you, that's not a path that everybody can follow and we can do this without giving it to Jesus. Um, there's so many other ways to uh, formulate what a higher power is and how you, you know, give your shit over to it when you don't believe in God and the traditional. Well, I don't, I don't think it says you have to give it up to Jesus in the first place, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's like... Um, you uh well that's my impression of like that third step is like the the whole higher power thing of that doesn't it say in the big book that you like well it says higher know? power it doesn't say higher power it doesn't have an interpretation of the higher power right um i'm not a hundred percent well versed on it i did do some readings out of the big book um my steps was based around uh, reason and recovery, mm -hmm. the power of two, which I, I'm a strong believer in because that, that's one of the other reasons I, uh, I do this is because it's, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm getting connection and recovery doing this podcast. It's for you, sure. You and me are sitting here right now and <clears throat> You're becoming a part of my recovery today. We got that power of two, like. Right. Because 
I had I had the whole problem with, with, with wrapping around the higher power myself, and this is, um, I, I I wasn't ever court ordered or anything like that. I was trying to appease uh, my wife, and I tried I tried going to AA before, and I wasn't taking it serious. I'd leave the meeting, drink, you know, so, same same story, and it's to the point to where you know you finally become desperate enough to where, um. You, you you want to start taking things seriously. Yeah. And um, I ended up going back to AA and taking it seriously. And um, I just researched. I tried wrapping around the higher power stuff and I just, I, I got, t- I, I luckily got a sponsor that gets it, you know, and um, I, I I didn't have to give it up to a higher power. I, I I shared my defects and my shortcomings and all that with, with another alcoholic, and he can't make them go away. And you you can't make that stuff go away. I feel right. my my personal feeling is your personal defects are always going to be with you. It's how you handle things and how you change your behaviors. And, um, that was my spiritual awakening. What was that? The 12th step or is that the third? So I'm horrible with the step. Something stuff. like that. But, but no, you, the 13th step is, is banging a newcomer, which, you know, do oh, not, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. do not do not do that. Yeah. Do not recommend. Um, not that I've done that, but, um, but yeah, it's in there. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a tool album about the thirteenth step. Um, <laughs> no, it's perfect circle. Never mind. Anyway, um, yeah, that <laughs> that like vulnerability within itself of you know the power to sharing it with your sponsor, going through it like that's powerful. That's addressing you know some of the shit and being able to talk to someone about it that has done everything that you have and then some and worse or not or not like just just to share it and to have someone listen and not judge you about it is amazing because I think a lot of us are really you know sensitive to being judged by someone else for our you know actions or words or whatever because they're shameful I've heard in a meeting uh shame cocoon if you will um yeah yeah uh someone shared something about when i get in those those feelings of being triggered and wanting to drink and like my mind that puts me in this shame cocoon uh, what it, that was that was the gist i don't know if the person that said that in a meeting what like two years ago hears this um they know it's them uh but i thought that was a good way of putting it because like your shame or you know whatever it is that that gets you it does you know, wrap you up. Um, but then also being able to break out of it is transformation and the kind of transformation that we need to live a life without substances, without the need of substances, because it's, it's, it's pretty sad to have a dependency on something to get through day. Um, 
it's and I didn't realize how sad that existence was until I was able to put it behind me I used to say a lot you know my um, alcohol to blood levels getting dangerously low we need to fix that um, <laughs> and that'd be you know midday like it's not even noon yet and I'm like yeah we, we need to fucking get it in um, so I'm glad that I don't have to do that or that I feel like I don't have to do that anymore um, and that's a, that's all with the help of this program I if I didn't come and listen to what other people did I wouldn't be able to do this I wouldn't have been able to meet myself because I was so not self-aware coming into this program I had no kind of emotional maturity because I you know learned all my coping mechanisms from uh from some some pretty wild people that didn't know themselves how uh to function in society like I came from a pretty violent toxic background and what I was shown was that when you get upset like you hurt the people that you love and and uh to relax you drink you smoke you do cocaine you do you know whatever drugs like you can get uh, or that your friends have or that your family has because uh, it's a it's it was a whole family affair like to be fucked up and it was like that was how everybody came together that was how everybody bonded um so to like fathom like recovery was to go against like everything that I ever knew basically I didn't know how I didn't know how to uh to handle my feelings because you know when you are raised by really toxic people they gaslight you into thinking that none of your feelings are valid or real just do what I say and shut the fuck up is is kind of like the theme of my childhood and there's this like cute anecdote that my mother tells me that's actually pretty terrifying um as a child like under two years old I like was um I took my stepdad's big gulp cup full of whiskey and and water and I and I downed it um because you know who was supervising this child no one um <laughs> uh I was raised by teenagers who had no idea what they were doing so um you know you'll have that uh but uh but anyways um you know my stepfather who was very uh physically abusive uh got angry with my mother because this drink had disappeared and uh she's like you know hey I didn't drink that shit like why do you think I would do that and then here comes little me, you know, blasted in the living room. And, you know, my mom's like laughing about it. And I'm, you know, like, hey, mom. And she said, I bit her. And then she slapped me. And then I passed out. And then, you know, I, that was a funny Thanksgiving story and Christmas story that I got to hear at family gatherings um, for years. And thinking about it now, like, oh my God, I could have fucking died. 
like that wouldn't have been a cute Christmas story. That would have been like two teenagers prosecuted for <laughs> murdering a two-year-old. Like, <laughs> like, um, so like that was the beginning. Uh, that's and, that's that's uh, whew. that's uh, yeah, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that and that's pretty heavy um and uh yeah and that was that was um a piece of my early childhood so like it really didn't get any better um obviously um so like everything that i you know experience and and witness living in the home and you know with the people that raised me like it was pretty fucking wild like um and and this is why I like was really hesitant to want to tell my story because like I hate to have anyone like like feel bad for me or like feel sorry that that that's what I experienced like to the point that they wouldn't like want to be like around me or like be like with me I know maybe that sounds kind of dumb but it's like you know when you're vulnerable with certain people and like, you really can't, you can't like be vulnerable with everybody, but if you're vulnerable with certain people and they're just like, Oh my God, like that's so terrible. You know, some people like take a step back from that because they can't handle that. Um, so, uh, I feel like I have to be like super careful with who I share these kinds of things with. Uh, Sorry, it's like <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. I'm, 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 I'm gonna pause you for a second. Sure, sure. <clears throat> I'm not pausing the recording. I'm, I'm just gonna say, I feel very grateful right now because there might be someone else that's been through this. Um, and this might resonate with them. And like, like we were talking before, before the episode, and you know, that this may very well save someone. And, um, <laughs> if at any point you need me to stop or pause, just let me know. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I'm good. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad that you say that because, you know, I've, I've found that to be so true. Um, even like recently, as recently as today, um, that's true. Uh, when you make a connection with someone else in the program, you know, they, they, you know, especially if they're in early sobriety, they might be in such a dark place that they don't like, understand why in the world anybody would want to talk to them or be you know friends with them and um you know i under i understand how that feels uh to um think that you're like not worthy of of having 
friendship and, and connection because you're like so damaged that no one else could possibly understand like or get your weird jokes or or whatever you know um but um but that's not true if you're willing to be okay with being vulnerable and share you know i i, I know that i shared recently in a in a meeting that i was sharing that um like the mental struggles that I go through, that inner narrative that is my voice, but saying like awful things um, always. Um, and and sharing that sparked a friendship with a newcomer. And, um, you know, I get, I get told by this person that, you know, that they're really grateful that I, that, you know, that I shared that with them and that, you know, that, you know, my friendship with them has really like helped them. And that's, that's fucking amazing. Cause like, you know, how I'm thinking of, of myself is the same way that they're like thinking of their self. Like, you know, I'm sitting here like in judgment of, of me and being my harshest critic and, you know, uh, making friends with people who can like show you you through show you yourself like through another lens uh, you know is really important because I don't I don't see myself at all the way that other people you know tell me that they see me or that I you know how I present and I guess um it's different on a daily basis because sometimes I'm really up and sometimes I'm really down and I don't want to be social. I want to be fucked with and I don't want anybody to fuck with me. And, you know, just let me cry in the bathroom today. Um, so <laughs> it all depends on, you know, which Melissa you get. Um, so yeah. Um, so making friends and having connection in this program has been so important for my recovery. Um, I have a whole list of people that I could call. Um, I have a whole list of people that, you know, some of them I've never called or that have never called me, but, you know, we put it out there. Like, if you need to talk, like, text me. Don't call me because I won't answer the phone, but text me. Like, <laughs> um, I have made, the most amazing friends in this program. Uh, I had to, I had to stop the judgment that I had in my head about this program and what it, what it would or wouldn't do for me. And, you know, also, you know, my friends that are not in the program, but knew that I definitely had a problem, uh, cause they, you know, did drugs with me as, as a, a young one and as an adult. And, um, they only know me as that, um, you know, they could definitely tell that I loved my drugs, but not necessarily that I had a problem, but also like, I would not share with most of them, um, about my, my home life and what a fucking like disaster that that was and what I was going through. And that was why I was, you know, showing up to, you know, high school, totally fucked up out of my mind or whatever. Um, and, you know, and that lasted all the way to my 30s because, it, it, you know, it was fine. It was what you do. Um, but uh, it was good until it wasn't good. And um, I was never like, 
I don't say that. I was going to say I was never like physically dependent on alcohol, but, but I was like, I would try to stop, but then I couldn't, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm awake. And it's like, 2 a.m. and I had already drank myself like all day and like fell asleep at like 7 p.m. or whatever. And now I'm up and like now I can't go back to sleep. So what do I do? You know, hit that moonshine that's in my freezer or like I always had like some something in the freezer. And sorry, if I didn't, um, I'd I'd go down to the 7-Eleven or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and get a couple and, you know, if it was, if it was, if it was still, you know, being sold or whatnot, um, I'd be drinking at work. I'd be, um, or like on my break from work and come back, uh, got fired from a couple of jobs, not for drinking on the job, but, you know, having a, a really poor attitude, um, and, and pissing people off, you know, um, yeah, uh, lost several jobs, like good ones, uh, because of that, and also because of my behavior. Because I was, I was a wild one. Uh, you can't, you can't take me on a company uh, fishing trip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Not if there's alcohol flowing, which you know there's going to be on a company fishing trip. If 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 you've ever been on one of those, uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know where was I. Uh, we 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 did the. Um, let's see here, we did the, uh, the teacup version of, of the episode where dancing around and spinning and um we were talking about the um we went from uh see i get lost too it's okay <laughs> squirrel yeah. um um started off like uh like with your family and i, I when you were talking about that, you, I, you you brought up about being brought up Southern Baptist and Pentecostal area and stuff like that. Was was your family practicing that or? Oh no, um, you you were just in the area. You, you I know. was in the area, and like I had been taken to church by a babysitter um as a young child and this is um i would say i was maybe elementary school aged at this time and um so this wasn't like my whole my whole childhood or anything it was like maybe a a year or maybe two in in my life off and on where where church was the deal uh, but I went to a Pentecostal church with one of my babysitters who was very who was very with the high hair the big the big poof and then and then the long hair and the no makeup and then you know you get to their church and 
they're speaking in tongues and then very fervent about their um their glory to God and I'm like so I just get up there and say like mayonnaise 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 and this is this is it like this is bullshit um so maybe like six seven years old um and my my stepfather somehow decides to join the church I think I think this is around the time that my mother decided to finally divorce this person who was um you know basically like torturing us every single day um and uh in order to like break away from him I was just the oldest of like three children so I had a little toddler brother and my mother was pregnant with another one of his children uh so like a divorce from a young 20 something you know, with three kids, like, that's, that's wild to think about now, you know, then as a child, I'm just like, hey, can we please like leave? Because I, I hate this. Um, <laughs> which I did, I did say that to my mom, I think she said that that was her inspiration for leaving was a six year old saying, can't we just leave? Um, crazy. But anyway, um, so we were going to this church. And you know, like you're supposed to be swept up in this stuff. Like I'm instructed to, you know, go with it. And the stepdad, he's, uh, joins the church and like, I see them like, you know, praying over him and crying and he's crying and, you know, saying that he's, you know, a changed man and like come to God and everything. And I'm just standing there like with, with my little, knowledge of you know all the all the hell that he has caused me personally and what I've witnessed him do to my mother and then all the things that he's done to my family and I'm just like playing that in my head and like looking at him and looking at all these people and I'm like if they only knew like what a fucking wretched person this was like they would not waste a goddamn prayer on him um so I, I kind of felt at that moment really strongly that the, all of this religious stuff was total bullshit. Um, and uh, I realized that pretty early on. But, you know, like when you have to sit there and listen to that shit and you sit and listen to all these sermons and stuff about, you know, how you're going to go to hell if you, you know, don't be obedient and obey and all this shit. Um, you know, it gives you this whole like, well, it gave me this whole sense of dread, like existential dread, like this, all of this is going to end at any moment, like revelation hellfire is, is coming for me. If I am not this obedient person, like really, <laughs> um, and, uh, I was like thinking about like, that dread, like, you know, I had the same dread as, you know, this existential dread. I had the same dread about like being in this household with that person. And, you know, I'm a child. And if I get trouble at school and I come home and like, he knows about it, like, I have to like, <laughs> I'm scheduled a beating now and I have to like wait for it to happen. And it's like, 
it felt like the same thing. And this was very much against religion and authority um, from a very young age because I felt like those were not places that I was safe. Um, and living that way, like I still kind of feel in physical danger, even though that's not the case anymore, um, which is pretty wild. I, I was thinking about the whole dread thing earlier today as I'm like heading here to come and do this because because uh, I don't know, because I was thinking about like, what, like, what am I going to say? And uh, the dread thing came up for me because like the, I, there's a lot of there was a lot of dread for me with this program. Like I did not want like I thought it was like so uncool. <laughs> like I'm going to be a fucking lame uh, being in the AA. And one of my very good friends uh, was like. So have you given your life over to Jesus? <laughs> I'm like, no, bitch. <laughs> you know me better than that. Like, quit playing with me. Um, but yeah, that's that's most people's assumptions of AA. Like, the, the outside of it is that it's this Jesus-y cult. So have you sold all your personal belongings and drank the Kool-Aid in the name of AA? Yeah. And you know yes i'm drinking the official aa kool-aid red bull <laughs> um no and actually it's funny that you say that because i have an uncle that did that um and he's in a cult right now somewhere out in missouri uh yeah uh don't have a lot of um family to speak of and that fucking weirdo. But. Yeah, I, I've I've read about cults and I guess research, studied, whatever you want to call it, just a personal interest of mine. And it's just like, and I, I see people call it a cult and say it's cult like, and it's far from it. <laughs> it's far from it absolutely because, far from it because those pe the people in cults they don't have the free will um aa is just it's suggestive yeah and that's and that's the great part about it is that it's not saying you have to do this um it's saying you have to do it without you have to do it like excuse me i love i love the suggestions thing and there's something maybe it's in the book about, you know, it's a suggestion, like a suggestion of putting on a parachute when you jump out of a plane. Um, it's a suggestion, but you need, like, you need to do it. <laughs> well, if you want to jump out of a plane and live, you, I, yeah, that'd be a good suggestion to follow is to put the parachute on. But I mean, man, I've gotten some, incredible suggestions uh and and the best one is like connecting like get out there try stuff like i i know that when i was in active addiction and drinking that i did not i was not willing to do shit anything i just wanted to get fucked up and just laugh <laughs> Till the cows came home. 
because um, that was that was easy um, and quick. Um, so you know, you come to AA and you learn the things that like aren't necessarily easy and quick, but a change does come when you try some suggestions like get out there and do the lame shit that you thought you'd never do like try it go fucking play mini golf with some drunks like you might have a good time go bowling go go trivia-ing um that's what really got me social was was being invited to a trivia team um it was all alcoholics in the group um it seemed like the most awkward terrible thing that I could have done because it's like I only know one out of you know six of these people I don't know what to say I don't know what to do and you want me to go to a bar and I'm newly sober at Nabra. Um, but eventually I did. And when I, at first it was like, it was so like, it felt so awkward and tedious, but you know, I'm always used to, you know, masking how I'm feeling. So it's like, I'm just going to put on this thing of like, everything's fine. I'm this great, happy person, you know, ha ha ha. Everything's great. Um, and that's a mask that I'm, I'm used to wearing. So if you pretend like that, like it, you know, then people assume that you're that way and you know, yeah, it's awkward, but you can just kind of awkwardly get through it. And if you don't know what to say, then just say something or, or, or say nothing, you know, have a meal with people. Like everybody has to eat. Um, but it, I digress the trivia thing. Like once we got together and did that enough times and I knew all these people and I knew what to expect when I came out and went to this bar and hung out with my friends and saw everyone else drinking and having a good time. And we were at our table having club soda and having just as good of a fucking time and with without like doing that practice that was a that was like a practice like a like a, like meditating or like like anything that we do that we wanted like get good at we have to practice and I practice social skills and being out and being uncomfortable and being in an environment that was triggering um and learning how to do that while I'm not like holding hands with my friends but like like I have them there for support like you said the whole power of two thing like or the power of you know five or six like it's really great to like be able to learn how to do that and that was like after my first year of sobriety like it took a while for my friend who who ran the whole group to convince me to come because I was afraid to leave my apartment I didn't think that I could trust myself to be out there 
um, because I did a lot of drinking alone out there in downtown Orlando, just seeing what I could get into, like hoping I could get into a fight with somebody just for fun. Like, and I was, (laughs) it's not a well person. (laughs) So I didn't think that I could really like go out and be around people. Like you can't fathom in early sobriety, how to be out and about uh, like with people without a a drink in hand or like feeling like, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's burn some shit. Um, So like trying that trivia thing really helped me, you know? So if there's something, you know, out there some kind of hobby that you want to do or even something that doesn't sound interesting to you or only maybe semi-interesting just just try it you might meet some people you might have a few laughs or you might have some fun or it might be a really shitty time and then when you leave you're like god like I can't wait to go home and watch my favorite thing so either way you know you're gonna win eventually (laughs) um I like I have as you can imagine, like some other, like, like mental issues that, um, make me not want to have all the social interaction because it's like exhausting. It's draining. Um, I'm like super like sensitive, like, like emotionally sensitive, like empathic, like I like pick up on people's stuff and um and that's scary that's that's a scary thing um I have ADHD I have PTSD um I've gotten therapy for stuff I, I have depression I'm fucking um you know there's always gonna be like something making me do 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 and what I've learned about that is that like that's what that's what trauma does to you like it it like burrows pathways in your brain like literally you become like damaged like your brain becomes damaged from that and that's wild like I didn't I didn't realize that before I've been in school uh, in college uh, over the last couple of years and um you know, had some research over the course of my studies about it. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Like you really have to actively like reroute your brain or retrain your brain um, to, you know, find different ways to, you know, be happy and get that serotonin. Cause you know, you burned it all out or I burned it all out with drugs and and such and (laughs) so making new things like you know mentally making new things happen you know physically out there in the world like you have to make new mental pathways so yeah it's weird it's scary it's unknown and uh, you just kind of have to do it and trust that whichever way it comes out like you're going to learn something from it um, good or bad. And that's another thing. Like I, I really need to be as emotionally like neutral as possible. Um, cause I don't want to get too, too sad or too happy. Uh, cause if I go down the rabbit hole either way, like it's too, it's too much 
for me. So I try to, I've tried to learn how to um, not assign emotional value to things. Um, and that's a skill that I have learned through, I don't know, through research and through talking to other people. Um, I've really been able to help myself by trying to change my inner narrative. I don't know if I've talked about this already, but like, you know, that voice in my head that says all the things that's like in my voice, but it's like wild shit. That's really mean and, uh, and unnecessary. Um, but it's, you know, it's other people. It's the, it's the conditioning that I've had. That's still like so deep in there, um, that I have to learn to ignore. Um, your brain fucking lies to you like all the time uh it lies to you about how much you want to like go do debaucherous things or you know self-destructive things or you know addictive things whether it be like drugs or food or sex or whatever your vice may be like if you're doing it to the fucking nth degree all the way to the wall like you know it's gonna burn you out like you gotta gotta have variety varieta as cartman may say yeah so no it's uh <laughs> sitting here having a revelation with that because you did mention that earlier and i'm glad you brought that back up i mean that's I, I think everyone has that in their head i mean it's part of our consciousness and it's you know a lot of it's impulse impulse control and it's just it's like you know if everyone would do some type of some type of step program the world would probably be a better fucking place i mean if people are willing to look inward instead (laughs) of point a finger outward um you know it would it would really be helpful like if people examined themselves and their actions and why you do what you do because yeah. um, if you're not self-aware then you just bumble through and just blame everybody else and be like oh the world is so my life is so fucked up because of other people oh your life is fucked up because of you like, i mean <laughs> i mean you, you bring up like like fucked up thoughts and shit like that and, yeah you know that that's something i can be that'd be a good conversation you and me off air because that, that's shit i'm not willing to share on the podcast quite word you know and like (laughs) and a lot of people are not especially when you've been exposed to stuff that's really dark and like you can't you can't have the same conversations with everybody about the 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 darkness (laughs) because some people may not understand they may not have had experiences and you mentioned you were a police officer like if you've had to you know deal with any kind of like first responder kind of shit or wild domestic shit like you like i can't even i can't even imagine i would not i would that's one profession i would never pick because i fucking hate people i the less that i deal with people the better but i also love people and i want to help people and i want to you know heal the world but also you know a lot of my personality is fucking um responses to trauma so yeah yeah. (laughs) so it's like i'm just trying to sort my shit out like i'm 
I'm 41. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to do with my life, but I am glad that I pursued getting sober. Um, I should have done it a lot sooner. Uh, I might've made better decisions, but you know, regardless, could have, should have, would have, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I decided to get sober. My life is so much better. I've learned so many things through this program and just, just through talking with other people in recovery space, um, about how to live a a sober life. It's not always easy, you know, and, you know, with meeting others that are like-minded, it just, it, it just makes it so much easier. And like the, the dark thoughts thing to bring that up again, like, you know, if you're, if you're willing to share that with you, with, you know, some people, you, you, you might save somebody's life, you know, because depending on the darkness, like <laughs> might not want to admit that to another person, but, but it's there. I feel, I, I think I read somewhere that, you know, when you have a reaction to something, like somebody tells you something, like your first thought is like your conditioning, like what you were told to think or how you were told to feel. And your second thought is your growth. Um, and you know, I don't know if that applies every time, but sometimes it does. Like, I feel like sometimes my immediate thought is like, fuck that motherfucker. Um, and maybe my second was, you know, maybe that person needs empathy or they're just an asshole and, you know, I should just move on. No, worry about them. Just worry about myself. Um, so that's what got what I what I like to do is mind my own fucking business <laughs> and entertain myself and um you know be quiet I love to observe I love to be quiet and and, and like you know I'm not really known for my quietness um but I do I do love to have my moments where you know you let people show you who they are instead of letting them try to guide you to an impression of that. If that makes any sense. I don't, I don't know if that made any sense. Oh, it makes sense to me. Okay. (laughs) Rewind, delete. Um, (laughs) But, um, but yeah, okay. That was, um, that was a lot less painful than I thought it was going to be having this conversation. And, um, I'm really glad that you asked me or that, you know, that you put it out there. Cause you know, I really wasn't, I really have like not been sure if I want to share my story. Cause I, I kind of think like, wow, it's so lame and ordinary. Like, yeah, yeah. You got trauma. Yeah. 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 You were drinking. And Every, everyone thinks that though. Right. Everyone right. And like, it's like, <laughs> and I, I grasp, I, 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 I started grasping it. And it's just like you said, you want to heal the world. I know I can't heal the world, but I'm going to give back or at least what, what I took from a, and, uh, right. I know how to do this kind of stuff. This is what what I'm doing, and yeah. I'm, I'm in the work of a couple other things. And but 
Yeah, I'm I'm selfish too because I, I get to have one on one recovery with with people too. So yeah, and that's like, pretty that's pretty awesome. I I was actually thinking about that. And I'm like that's that's really cool. Like I, I always love uh, thinking about things as a social experiment, like you know jobs and just being around people in general. It's like wow, this is fascinating. Like, yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah I mean. <laughs> You're like I hate people. I, I I've worked in I've been working in in public as far as I can remember, and it's just like <laughs> how how have I managed? And I was like, I haven't managed because most I mostly just coped by using using alcohol, and it's just yeah. like, and that's the easy go to. You know, it takes some effort to figure out how to navigate your shit without picking up something that's just going to change it like that you know it's but it's it it makes so much sense to like I mean now not before it didn't make sense to feel my feelings and go through you know you know emotionally go through allow myself to emotionally go through things and feel how I feel about them without judging myself Cause I was constantly and still am constantly judging myself about having emotions. And that's, that's ridiculous, but that's also from years of trauma. Like, you know, shut the fuck up. (laughs) So it's like, I, I'm always telling myself, shut the fuck up. Nobody wants to hear that, you know, cause that's what I've been told too many times. So it's like, it's, it's still very much there, but, um, but one thing, like I have, I have my little, my little hacks and like, you know, one thing that really triggers me is to, is to wash the dishes. Um, like it really, it really upsets me. Um, so I have to, I have to have something else going on, like some good music or be playing a show um, or something and then have uh, some really nice self-talk to myself and say, wow, look at you. You're really doing a good job. And like, this is going to sound so dumb, but like, it really helps me <laughs> to be like, Hey, look, look how well you just washed that fucking coffee cup. Oh my God. There's nothing left on it. It's so clean. Put it in the thing. All right. Next one. And like, it's, it's so simple. It's so dumb, but it, it really helped me. Um, well, saving you money too, because you're not buying paper plates and plastic silverware all the time. Yeah. I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that. So yeah, I'm (laughs) going to wash my little few dishes, but I will like let them pile up because, you know, I look at the sink with, with dread and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do that. Um, so if I don't want to do it, I don't do it, you know? And I, you know, I give myself the space that I need to, um, to accomplish the tasks that I need to do when I am emotionally ready to handle them. Um, because maybe it'll take a week before I'm in a space where I want to wash the dishes or take a shower. And I know that sounds really gross, but like yet another fucking trauma thing. Um, but it's okay. And I'm, learning like the more that I am accepting of myself 
the more that I am learning about myself and the more that I'm learning that I can, I can attend to my needs um, and it feels nice and self-care is a great thing. And, um, you know, being with people, being there for people, uh, you know, can be a good thing. If it starts to be a too much for me thing, I have the option to leave. I can go, I can go back home and I can hide my little pineapple. That's where I call my house. Um, and, uh, yes, I am SpongeBob <laughs> SquarePants. No! <laughs> to go home to my little pineapple. I don't have a snail named Gary, but I did paint a, a, a big snail shell, like Gary colors and he lives there. Um, so yeah. Oh, uh, you know, we left out the part on. We, we yeah. left out a part? Yeah. What did we leave out? What what path you took for, for your recovery? Um, going to AA, going to meetings, um, making friends with people. Actually, we didn't, we, we didn't leave it out. I, I was... You used AA, well, secular AA, and I'm, I'm uh, it was pretty much, it was after the first meeting, you said it was a gay meeting. Did yep. You, I, I know you attend, oh my God, now, are mostly yeah. agnostic group of drunks. Yeah, great meeting, great people. Yeah. Um, and the meetings that I went to before, also great people. Um, I had several reasons for like, you know, not being a regular part of, of those meetings anymore, because I'm really a lot more comfortable in the agnostic space. Um, you know, not to take away from any of the other people that I've, that I've met in the program. Um, you know, it's good to diversify and go to different meetings and go to traditional meetings. Like you get, you get really great stuff out of it. You know, if you can handle it, some people cannot handle it. Some people bristle at the mention of God or anything that makes them uncomfortable. Um, but you need to be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable, uh, in order to get sober. If you have a problem, um, you have to, you have to be willing to, to do a little bit of work and maybe do things differently than you've ever done. Um, that's not a bad thing, I don't think. And, uh, you know, uh, the connection aspect of it has been incredible. Um, you know, you lose, you lose people when you get sober. You lose people in your life that you think are, are mainstays. Um, but some people, like, you need to, like, step away from in order to be the best that you can be to yourself. Um, some people you might have to cut out of your life. Like I, um, I, I, I don't talk to, uh, what's left of most of my family. Like, um, I mean, sometimes, but, but, you know, we don't have any real meaningful interactions. Um, and I've had to make a new family with AA people. Um, some of my friends like did not understand that me becoming sober really meant that I wasn't ever going to drink or do drugs again. And, and they had, I, I had to put them like 
kind of out of my life. Like I will, I will speak to anyone. I'll be, I'll be nice and cordial and stuff, but, um, I can't hang out with people that are really like in active addiction and getting fucked up. Like it makes me feel horrible and, but also wants me to like, I want to do it. Um, and, and when I get in those ways where I like really feel like, you know, using or drinking is the answer. I have to remember all the things that I've learned and, you know, not like give in to that easy, immediate answer, which is getting fucked up like that. It's so easy, so easy to do that. That's why I feel like that's why so many people you know, end up having a problem and then, and then not being able to articulate it. I really had to come to AA to get the vocabulary to be able to articulate how I was feeling because having feelings was like unacceptable. (laughs) Unacceptable. You are a pussy. Like don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about it was the the theme of uh, my childhood so um so yeah like you know I've had to learn hey it's okay if I'm not having a good day and I need to cry or if I'm not feeling so good and I need to if I need to shed a tear it's okay like no worries it's not forever feelings are temporary that's it's my huge secret Feelings are temporary. Like I don't have to be in dread of them and worry. Oh my God, I'm always going to feel this miserable fucking cloud just hovering over me. And this is the way it's always going to be. And I'm never going to be able to. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't want to live there. Um, so I have to actively like pull my head out of my ass. And um, I've heard from my sponsor who I love very much. Um, that the first five years of sobriety is you pulling your head out of your ass. And I'm in year four, four years old. Um, and the next five years is wiping the shit out of your ears. <laughs> so again, as alcoholism is a process, so is getting sober a process. Like it's an ism. You got, it's going to just keep going around and you got to figure out how to work it or you let it you know work you right yeah i i'm like uh, i kind of like retract my question because i was like the whole time she was explaining to me how she got sober (laughs) i really did (laughs) but it's good like no i'm i'm with it like no, you, you, you use AA, and you use a mixture of AAs. You, you use a mixture of traditional, agnostic, or secular, or whatever you want to call it. You, you mixed it up. You were open-minded about it, and that, that's, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I just, you know, people just understand it's not going to fucking kill you. Right, and and, and also, the it alcohol doesn't, will. like alcohol absolutely can kill you like in a moment and you know sorry i'm like my brain just like decided to fucking switch off um another another thing about recovery is like if you have other things that are inhibiting your recovery and not just alcohol 
don't be afraid to get help, like professional help if you need it. Um, there's so much stigma around that. And I have also used professional help and, you know, I've had different experiences. I've had good ones. I've had bad ones. Um, the bad ones like make you like make it feel like it's a deterrent to not go back when you have a bad experience with someone that you're like sharing your, your, you know, deep intimate shit with. Um, but it's, it's all, it's all part of it. Like you get the help that you need. You address the things that you need, as I've heard in order of which they will kill you, um, is, is a really great suggestion. So like if you have a heroin problem and a drug problem and an alcohol problem, maybe the heroin first, uh, cause that'll kill you quicker. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Possibly. <laughs> well, I mean, just for, from what, what I saw, you know, with all the fat from what shit, I know. I mean, yeah. That's a quick one. Yeah, um, I mean, there, there, you know. there's, there's, you touch that shit and you know, fall over. Right. And not even that, like, not even just that, but like being, living a lifestyle where drugs are around all the time, especially if you hang out with like drug dealers, like it's a super dangerous situation to, to be in it, to put yourself in, to be in a home where there's a huge amount of drugs. And maybe, uh, this happened to, uh, one of my friends, at, uh, in their early twenties, uh, they were in a home with maybe like five or six other people, maybe eight people having a party, having a good time, doing a little bit of cocaine, a little bit of this, a little bit of weed, a little bit of alcohol, you know, whatever. Um, but there was a bunch of cocaine in the house um, and somebody uh, decided that they were going to take their friend and come and rob this home. Um, and they killed a couple of people in, in that home. Like, so not just like drugs and alcohol and being in that environment is dangerous, but like just, just being around chilling, like your life could be gone because of someone else's choices to be around drugs and alcohol. Like my friend died, like a horrible death just because he went to the wrong house one night. And he was living that life. If, if he was alive today, he would probably be a drug addict or an alcoholic or both or all of the above. Um, but his his life got snuffed out, you know, just because he was at the wrong place with with people, you know, who are you know doing what they can live their life. You know, they're still alive, <laughs> but he's not like. He didn't get to watch SpongeBob. I think about that a lot. Like, I think my friend would have really liked SpongeBob SquarePants. He was very SpongeBob-like. Funny. Great tattoo artist, too. But anyway. Um, All right. This has been a new thing. I, I, I'm, I think I want to start doing this. And it just makes it easier instead of, like, final thoughts. If I... Came to you. No, I'm in a room. Hey, whatever, Zoom. And I'm that person looking for help. What, 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 do, what do you tell them? What, what, what does Skeletor say? Um, 
Um, you know, Skeletor asked about you and about your story and about how are you feeling right now? Like, what have you been doing? What have you been doing today? Um, I try to like meet people on their level and like not be uh, not be like condescending and not like try to come off weird just like <laughs> I feel like I'm so weird like well I know I'm I am really weird um so it's like I I just try to be um welcoming and be honest uh almost no matter how weird it is the things that like fall out of my mouth and usually I catch people off guard with my uh sense of humor and like saying you know wild stupid shit um and and it happens to be funny I'm a funny person uh, you know most of the time I guess um so you know my observations tend to like make people laugh and you know I try to be that little clown jokester but also somebody who is offering my hand and my ear and my friendship as long as they're willing to be respectful to me and my recovery and if they um you know depending on what anyone is is going through I you know want to make the best suggestions that I can for for them or you know, just share what worked with me or what I know about, you know, kind of read some stuff, know some stuff, uh, know some stuff from AA. Uh, the more meetings you attend, the more like great little nuggets of wisdom. There's that word nugget again. Uh, I love it um, because you can just take those little pieces with you and it's, it's really helpful. Um, I usually really hate like slogan kind of meetings, but it's that kind of stuff. Although cheesy, like it sticks in your head and it's, it's funny and it's dumb and it's, you know, one thing that really always sticks with me is the be where your feet are. That's what my sponsor says to me all the time. Be present. You can only do uh, what you can do where your feet are at. Um, so that takes a lot of pressure off about, you know, I don't have to think about what's going to happen tomorrow or what this next situation that I'm worried about is going to bring to me because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We are not promised another single fucking second. Uh, so, uh, live your life, be happy, try not to be a fucking asshole. Um, and be empathetic to other people. Uh, I think there's a lot of success in that. I hope I answered the question. 
<laughs> I th- and I hope that's a realistic expectation or a, a realistic uh, uh, depiction of how I really am, because I don't like, like I said, I, I look at myself very differently than other people see me. So I feel like I come off like really weird and hyper and like, you know, well, I, I only had one problem with it. I don't think you're weird. I think you're incredible. Oh, um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's just, just your story is just, I, I have felt, like every fucking emotion of the day and it was in such a good way and I'm just so grateful you took the time to share it with me you're on my gratitude list for today um thank you and you're on mine and I'm I'm really glad that you're that you're doing this um because alcohol other alcoholics need this and need to hear this and I know uh that my friends uh, are already listening to you. So, you know, that's amazing. So now I get to go and deep dive all of these other things that you've already done. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I just released the 10th episode today. Okay. Wow. Sweet. Yeah. So I get to go back and and hear everybody else's story. You're number 12. Number 11 is one that no one in any of the groups knows. It's, uh, it's someone I found um, just cool. floating around in my little recovery world. You know, that's when I'm not working on going to AA or working with one of my uh, sponsees or taking care of my family or fishing. That's my new thing right now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've been just working on ways to expand my recovery and making connection with uh, other people to to, uh, hear their story. So it's it's hard to do it. It's hard to do it online, but I'm I'm starting to get there. And I think the more I get this out there, the more people it's going to open me up to too. So. For sure, for not, sure. Not in a million years you thought you'd be on a podcast sharing your story, and not in a million years I, I'd think I'd be doing this, but... <laughs> but got, here we both are, the power of two. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. That's, so that's pretty amazing, yeah. and um, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I agreed to do this. I'm glad I met you today. We'll definitely have to... Uh, Share some more later. Yeah, you know? we'll, we'll we'll do some stuff offline. And Heck yeah, where are you so, located? Hold on. Want to celebrate a milestone in your sobriety? Have a burning desire? Just want to say hi. Call our hotline at 937-203-8330.